to the Pursuit Collective Podcast. My name is Joe O'Neill. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Cook. What's up, everybody? And uh, today we have a special guest, a musician friend of ours, uh, Mr. John Foreman. John, welcome. Hello, hello. You don't need a whole lot of an introduction. Hopefully, if you guys are listening to this, John Foreman is someone that you've heard of or listened to for a long time. And, and we really wanted to be able to dive into questions, John, with you that are unique and different. And that's one of the things that we love about the Pursuit Collective is that Um, we believe in the connection between action sports and music and art and you fit the description of all three of those. Yeah. And, um, and so we're excited to have you here today and thank you, man, for being on the call. So the one question I was anxious to to ask you, so growing up in Boston, did you start surfing on the East coast of the U S? So, um, yeah, Virginia beach was where I really started to first paddle out a lot, but my grandparents, you know, my whole family still lived in the, the west coast so we come back every year and spend a good chunk of time in the pacific you know newport beach huntington like beach area and yeah you know i think the ocean always felt like a like a happy place that i could like um be reminded of a bigger story and it still feels like that for me um yeah so it was like led zeppelin and tom curran in junior high that was like the two things that kind of i was really into and um yeah and then that carried out for the west coast too i mean competing was always that thing where it's kind of a love-hate relationship with contests you know where i i love the idea of it but i i never did that great i i think i won one contest it it's a funny thing whenever you take this thing that feels very subjective and try and objectify it i think you know it was still always my favorite thing was just to paddle out and goof around with my friends totally you still have you still have your first surfboard i don't i wish i did yeah i don't have it you what about now are you are you getting hooked up with some shapers or what do you ride yeah so my friend chris clark he is uh He's a shaper. He started the um, the uh, Surfer Studios where you can like uh, learn to shape surfboards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and um, that's that's actually been really fun. So to shape my own boards and kind of learn the craft of of how to do that, but it's it's a very humbling discipline. <laughs> so yeah, like every time you. You pick up the planer, you're like, I could ruin it all right here. Totally. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of goofed around with shaping some boards, and then you actually think, you're like, oh, this is going to be a pretty good board, and then you get it in the water, and you're like, dude, this thing doesn't even work, you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> there's so much that goes into the rail, the tip, the whatever, whatever it might be, you know, obviously the, the board itself. So It's funny, too, because it's so much work, and then literally you, all you, like, in, like, a second of of riding the, the board you know what you did wrong and you're like oh if i could only you know hours and hours and hours of shaping and then glassing and getting it all ready and then you're like oh dang it i i, for, I did do this right i gotta go back you know make another one yeah <laughs> yeah so are you mainly just surfing the boards that you're shaping i'll surf whatever i i ride some of my own stuff um but yeah chris clark he I've, he's actually shaped a few for me he's like cheeky little asims they they're um you wouldn't see them as asymmetrical at first but if you look at the tail um that's what i've been riding so they're super fun hey i'm curious to know um you know how how surfing kind of influenced your music and when you guys started switchfoot 
Well, when, first of all, when you started, you guys started Switchfoot at what age? Right out of high school, pretty much, right? Yeah, in high school, like I've been in bands with my brother for, you know, since junior high. And I remember, so I was in high school and I had a job busting tables. And back in the day, the, it was only like the big cool bands that had CDs. You know, this was, was like a big deal. If you had a CD, I'd be like, whoa, you, those guys are legit. They've got a CD. And so I found this studio that would, we could record at. And I saved all of my busboy money and we recorded a full uh, CD. And it was a blast. And I remember we had to sell like two or 300 copies to break even, you know, and we did it. And I remember just being like, this is, this is it. And that, that was always the goal was just to break even and have fun and, and make music. But, you know, graduate college, that was job one. And then somewhere along the way, it became this, this pursuit that the, you know, my professors weren't so excited about me uh, bailing for tour and yeah. missing the, the midterm. And so I kind of had to make a decision. And so, yeah, it, it felt like I was still a kid, but I was, um, you know, in college, you know, dropping out of college to pursue this music thing that never felt like a job. Like even now it still doesn't feel like a job. You know, I, still just feels like a passion joe's a musician and i was like you've played in bands before and he's like yeah and i was just like how rare is it to have somebody who's been in the same band or part of the same band for so long yeah i mean obviously you're doing music independently as well but that you're that you guys are going i mean 20 over 20 what four years yeah i mean basically um the first record the first switchfoot record came out um the day or like a week after my brother graduated from high school. So much of it has to do with the fact that we just, we genuinely care about each other, you know, and not, not just me and my brother, but with Chad and now with Drew and Jerome. Yeah. Um, you know, we're a family. And even this last year, so we have, you know, so, so much of our team is, it's a family, you know, we have people that we employ that are full time for us that, you know, it's these are like brothers you know so for us when the lockdown started and as a band your means of income are bringing people together which is now no longer feasible you know and so it was this thing of like okay how do we um find a way to move forward without losing anyone i don't want to let anyone go and i don't want to you know I, everyone's got families and a lot of these people that we work with are married and have kids. And, and I'm thinking of this whole thing, you know, it's like, okay, this, this just got real, you know, with, um, with the lockdown, but we have, by the grace of God, we've made it um, through and we have been able to um, keep everyone on board, which is just such a victory. That, those are like, these are like the things I'm proud of this. Oh year. Yeah, yeah, for man. sure. No, for sure. And I know you haven't been, no one's been sitting around, but I know you haven't been sitting around this last year. You just came out with a new solo album, Departures. Um, I'm curious, as you've been writing songs, maybe even for this new record, have you ever thought about the process that Paul talks about in the New Testament where um, God comforts you and then that's a comfort that you have to give to others? And so maybe even in your processing, your writing process, 
Um, have you thought about how then your processing that with the Lord is then helpful for others to kind of take and do the same? Yeah, I, I, I find it odd and a bit paradoxical that the, the very thing that I wrestle with at three in the morning and think to myself, no one's ever felt like this before and put it into a song. And then that song, when I sing it, somebody else says, Oh my gosh, that's the exact same thing that I have felt, you know? And I think that's, that's one of the beautiful things about music is that it is this commonality and it's, it's this scaffolding for the soul that for me lets me reach somewhere that I couldn't go. Otherwise it becomes this language that allows me to express things that I couldn't express otherwise. And um, I, I absolutely view music as a communal pursuit. And so maybe it's that worship connection, you know, where you think, okay, um, how do we have, you know, even in punk rock, you know, you have, this idea, I, I remember in junior high, I, I would be, um, I didn't fit in very well. And I could go to the punk show and feel like I totally fit there, you know, like, yeah, because yeah. it's this, this expression where you just jump in and, and everyone's sweating and bleeding and, and screaming out the same lyric and, and we're in it together, you know? So I feel like that for me, I find that in music to be um, a beautiful shared experience. When all this is over, and by this I mean, you know, the pandemic stuff, is there a venue that either you as a solo artist or, or you guys as a band, is there like a venue you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready, I'm hitting the road, I can't wait to go play, wherever? Yeah, you know, I was asked that question the other day, and the first thing that came to mind was Red Rocks. I love Red Rocks. And then the second thing that came to mind was, I think even more than that, I want to play, we've got this event called the Bro-Am that we host in our hometown on the beach, surfing and, and music, um, all to benefit at-risk and homeless kids. And so that is going to be the, the day we can have the Bro-Am and have you know, thousands of people on my hometown beach. That's going to feel like a celebration right there. Hey, can I ask you about um, what it's like to follow Jesus as a musician and as somebody who's kind of in the public eye? You know, I think it's it's the little things that mean the most. Um, our our drummer just walked out of the room, and I'm reminded of a story where um, I think you guys had Jamie Thomas yeah. on here a little while back. He um, so we were flying out back when we used to tour, <laughs> um, back when people used to go on airplanes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were flying out. And at the time, we were flying out all the time. And it's funny even telling this story now because it, it sounds totally different. But back in the day, if you were, if you were sick, you just kind of pushed through. So our drummer was feeling sick, and, um, and all of a sudden it hit him. And we're at the airport, and... And he, um, and he, he starts, he starts, uh, feeling sick and he feels his hand on his back of oh, this guy saying, Oh, it's, it's all right. You're going to, you're going to be all right. And, and he's like, looks up and there's Jamie Thomas just <laughs> like, just 
being great. Just being there for him. It's like a perfect stranger at an airport who's sick. Just walking up to him. And, and I think those are those little enormous things that people do are, they matter, you know? And I don't, I mean, and I think that's what's so uh, convicting because I, I could say something really amazing, like when the mic's on about what it means to do this and that and the other. But ultimately, it's when the mic is off, when no one's watching, um, who are you and what do you do? And um, so those, that for me, I think is, is no different than for anyone. I think there are, everyone is facing their own version of temptations and things that they could get into trouble with. And maybe there are more of them for someone who's in the public eye. But I think that uh, there's no shortcuts to those little moments and, and to actually caring about people in that moment and recognizing the moment for what it is. Mm-hmm. I, everything that I've ever seen, man, from you, I've been been so proud of. And just I think the um, even just the ambiguity of not carrying the title of, oh, we're a Christian band. You know, I mean, I, I think you've you guys have been pretty vocal about that. And, you know, we've had guys on staff even just today. Derek was like, oh, Switchfoot is my favorite not Christian band and favorite Christian band, you know. And, <laughs> and um, you know, but it's because you guys are musicians, you know, but yeah. also carry this title of a Christian. And, um, well, I think, yeah, that, that I mean, it's such an interesting thing because let's examine the adjective Christian right. for what it is. You know, like if you stop for a moment, it's not something that truly can be self applied, you know, like I can call myself something, but if my actions don't live it out, then someone else is like, no, you're not, you know, like, (laughs) I think ultimately if somebody else says, Hey, I mean, in that moment, Jamie Thomas was Christ like totally. And so that's something that I'm, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm never, I'm always honored when someone uh, says I'm honored to be affiliated with the name of Christ. Always. That is never, never changing. We've always been outspoken about our beliefs, but to try and use that to sell something feels a bit dishonest, you know, and I don't, I, my faith is my faith and my records are my records. And I certainly there's faith in there, but I don't want to use my faith to sell a song, you know what I mean? It's, it's a strange thing, you know? And, and I think even just the more we can talk about these things and be honest with them, um, the better off we are, because I think that it inspires lives that are filled with, with um, intentional Christ-like uh, faith, Christ-like actions that are actually attempting to live out this faith that, that we believe, you know, rather than just kind of, I, I think just, stamping christian yep there it is it's christian you know, i think it's a lot more complex than that well and art is a lot more complex than that too and and you know i think leaving room for interpretation and leaving room for people to work it out and you know to allow even the lord to help someone arrive at truth rather than just maybe i know at least my artist friends like they don't ever want to compromise what they think is um somewhat the subjectivity of what they're working on for the sake of just making, you know, nailing it down to a wall and making everybody comfortable. And I don't know if you guys wrestle with that as musicians or not. Um, if so, I'd be interested to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I think part of art is to make you 
uncomfortable. That's, that's not a bad thing in art. You know, I think comfort is genuinely usually looked at as a good thing, you know, but I think with, within the context of art, it might be a bad thing, you know, not always. I think some songs are like an old leather jacket. You put it on, it feels really comfortable. I think I, I definitely, for me, I've, art has made me uncomfortable in beautiful ways that has, has challenged me to examine who I am, examine my, my stance on something for a good, good reason. It needed to be changed, you know? So that radical um, kind of imposing factor when it comes to art is, is a, a beautiful thing, even though it's not comfortable, you know? Um, and I do think that it is so subjective and it is a it's a dangerous thing when when we start to think we can fit god in our pocket you know that you know you can pull out a piece of paper and say here's here's god right here i got him you know i think that that gets really dangerous and that that's a quite honestly that's not a god i believe in you know i believe in a god that cannot be fit into my finite mind and so I think when I come with the humility of knowing that I'm wrong, even in my thinking about God now, that I, there are things that I need to be woken up to and challenged about, then that's a, that's a much more humble approach to, to your maker than saying, no, I got it all figured out. You know? And I think that's a better approach for songwriting too. Wonder. Wonder is the best approach to songwriting. I wonder if, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what this sounds like, you know, and, and that for me, that's where I try and start my songs. It's, you're able to put into words, I think something that I, we feel like we feel when we engage with good art. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's really good. You talk about, you talk about even that process of songwriting. I wonder, I wonder if this will sound good. I wonder if this will work. I wonder, is that, does songwriting come easy to you, John? Or is that something that like, you know, you wake up and boom, there's a melody, there's a hook, there's a line, there's a whatever. Or is this something that is an ethic for you where you got to make yourself really get after it? Um, songwriting, it's, it's something I do all the time. On the one hand, you could say it's effortless because I just do it all the time. But on the other hand, you could say that I, um, my songs, my, the songs that you hear take an inordinate amount of time. I tend to think of it more like a almost like a, a surf session or something like that like you would never paddle out thinking okay i wonder what i'm going to get from this experience you know you'd be like oh hoping to have a great time you know maybe if if the waves are really good you're thinking you might have a wave that would be memorable um maybe a turn that you would remember for the rest of the year or something but that's all you take away from it. I think with songwriting, sometimes people put this pressure on it that this song is going to be the one that somehow is going to make that girl notice me or something. I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of an undue amount of pressure on, on a song. I feel like the honesty is all that's required and, and, and being present to the moment with your honest reflection and and diving into that with with that with no expectations i feel like is a much more fruitful way to approach songwriting we um at the pursuit collective or through the pursuit collective we have 
we have this phrase that we say is our purpose is to curate content that invokes thought, encourages question, and ultimately equips and empowers people for conversations. We live in a world where a lot of times, and actually I just saw us at the skate park last night. We were there doing a Bible study with a kid or with a group of kids and encouraging the kids to think about eternity. And like a lot of the kids were like, dude, we've never really thought about it. And, um, and so I don't know if there's something that's in, that's been a part of your life or something that you've been thinking about recently that would encourage or equip conversations for people to think about? Well, um, I mean, going back to the year we just had and we're kind of still in, right? Um, I feel like this has been a season of death and doubt and discouragement and kind of deconstructing a lot of things that we held to be um, obvious and self-evident and permanent. And for me, I think that's, that's kind of where the record departures came from. Um, the idea that you cannot uh, reach for something new while you're still holding the old. And it's for me, I, I don't know this, this, I don't mean this morbid at all, but I think that there's a tremendous amount of wisdom in looking at life from the end look at it in reverse knowing that there's a finite amount of days we have here knowing that your death will come and saying okay well in light of that how do i want to spend today who do i want to be what is the thing that is worth dying for because that will put in perspective what is worth living for yeah that's so good we're like you, we're dads, we're husbands, mm-hmm. you know, we have, we have places that God's called us, you know, to be present and to show up and, and to live intentional. But that's such a good marker of like waking to realize like, okay, what does, how do I live with intentionality today? Like what will, what will be meaningful? What will make a difference? Yeah, I think I, I came up with the idea. Um, I have three goals in life. Like, cause I, I used to think I've got like, 500 goals. I got 20 goals. I got 30 goals. And I was like, no, I pretty much have three. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. And I want to receive and reflect the light and love of my maker. It feels like all everything else can be subsidiary um, or reflected in those three goals. You know, I love it. Yeah, man. I think I was just going to say, I'm excited just because there's been no shortage of new content created in 2020. You know, we've seen a ton of videos, everyone's doing Zoom calls, but I haven't seen a ton of content that really encourages people to just slow down and just stop and think and to to ask tough questions. And I think even some of the things that you said, man, even the simplest questions are hopefully going to be heard and asked through this conversation. So. John, maybe one one final question, and then we're just so thankful for your time, man. Just so so humble, so gracious. Um, you know, I think what we want more than anybody, more than anything, to anybody who's listening to these podcasts is just um, an appropriate understanding of of you know who their creator is, and then how do they live in a way in which they love him and they live according to the purpose they were designed and created for. And so, if you had anything to to say to that about you know even as an artist living into the gifts and to the callings that you have in your life and, and doing those simple things, showing love to, you know, to your neighbor, showing love to your friends, anything that you would say to that, to our audience about that? Mm, Yeah. So 
when I'm on my phone, my world gets, uh, when I'm on my phone, my world gets about this, this big, you know, it's, it's about as, as big as a screen. And then I step outside and, you know, certainly in the, in the ocean, I'm reminded of how small I am. I look up into space at night or, um, up at the clouds. Um, and I'm, it's a perspective that makes me thankful. I, I see beauty. And in, in all of this, I, I think, wow, I, there's no way that this, this, this doesn't have some sort of um, maker behind it. It's too beautiful. It's, it's too purposeful. And for, for me, um, my faith story, I think, is, is still unfolding. But I find that the the big questions that we ask genuinely to God when we we spend our time in prayer, meditation, um, those quiet moments, if you actually want those answers, if you want to meet God, that He's He's excited and present already, um, waiting for me to put down the screen that's about this big and actually spend time um, chasing after that because he's already been chasing me. And so I have been let down by all sorts of people and institutions and establishments, um, but that I've, I've never been let down by God. And he's, he's, he is ready. That would be what I would say. Um, you know, faith is such a intimate, personal thing. Um, but then the next step is to, to find people that you can, you can be with on this journey that can accompany you, you know, and, and, you know, find, find a community that you can pour into and that people can pour into you because the, the life that we live has no meaning if we're not pouring ourselves into the people around us. And so I think, and then, Somewhere along the way, that narrative begins to to take hold, and and um, it's a beautiful thing to have have these friendships that grow up out of it, and and to see what comes from it, because it you realize how much more it means to you than than uh, the the screen and whatever else it is, you know. So that that'd be my advice to myself or anyone else. <laughs> So thankful for your time, man. I hope you guys can hit the road again soon, man. I would love to come check that out. So hopefully sooner than later, man. I love it, man. Well, you guys stay safe over there in Florida and hope to see you around soon. Trading in the endless pursuits for one that leads to hope and life. Together we become the Pursuit Collective. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next episode.